Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Common Sense Finance. Anthony here. Nicholas over here. There was no lag this time, guys. We got to love it. The Zoom connection is getting better. We, we invested in some better Wi-Fi over here at Common Sense Finance. Guys, today we are discussing a very important personal finance topic. Many would consider it a fundamental aspect, the backbone of personal finance, and that's an emergency fund. An emergency fund is critical for those looking to be financially independent, right? If you're reliant on your parents right now, let's say, or reliant on a guardian and you want to go out on your own, an emergency fund is very critical. So what exactly is an emergency fund? So according to Vanguard, an emergency fund is solely meant to cover expenses for about three to 12 months in the case of an emergency. Those emergencies, uh, as, as again, according to Vanguard, can include job loss, medical or dental emergencies, unexpected home repairs, car troubles, unplanned travel expenses, and more. Yeah. So Nick, <laughs> what are your initial thoughts? Before we, before we go into it, Yeah. what are your thoughts about an emergency fund? What are your goals concerning an emergency fund? Before we get into why you should create one. Of course. Um... So I'm definitely for an emergency fund. I feel like everyone should have one for any reason. I mean, like like it says, it's an emergency. You could never plan really for an emergency. So at least having some sort of fund to back it up will help in that case. Um, that's, that's my stance on it. I, I am pro-emergency fund. Yeah, same here. I'm pro-emergency fund. I mean, we can get into the debate later of how much you should save within an emergency fund, which is definitely, you know, a whole can of worms if you want to go down that. Uh, I mean, when, yeah, Vanguard said three to 12. I mean, I feel like 12 is a little bit high. I mean, that's, I mean, dependent, you know, like, like Anthony said, you know, there is no strict number to have, right? Each person is different. I mean, you know, there's a difference between someone living in a mansion and someone living in an apartment, right? There's two different expenses there. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like good number is six months. I feel like, God forbid, someone loses their job. I feel like it shouldn't take more than six months to find a new one and recover. Um, that being said, I mean, it's not just for a job loss, right? It's like Vanguard said, emergencies, uh, you know, like someone... I don't know. You you might trip and fall and break your face. I mean, I mean, hospital emer- bills are very expensive nowadays. Emergency travel. What if you have to fly exactly across the country? Or, yeah. Yeah. Death or funeral. You have to fly across the country. So, why are we bringing up emergency funds? Well, the United States, many Americans are unprepared for an emergency. So I have statistics in front of me. According to the United States Federal Reserve, about 40% of Americans would be unable to cover a $400 emergency expense. In other words, two out of five people do not have enough savings to afford $400 at a moment's notice. Yeah, That's insane, $400. That's another thing. Something happens to your car, right? If you own a car, I mean, cars are very unreliable no matter what, you know, uh, flat tire, right? Mm -hmm. Place a tire, anything. So everyday needs, right? I feel like I feel like how you should calculate your your six or you know three to six month um, emergency fund would be how much you spend on rent if you rent, how much your phone bill is, how much um, 
electricity utilities, right? So utilities, car, um, your phone bill, and then food, really. I mean, you can't starve for six months. Exactly. Yeah. And then here's another statistic I, I have, which is why I think it's so important to create an emergency fund. 39% 39% of adults would have to pay a $1,000 unexpected emergency with personal savings. Further, 19% would have to finance it with a credit card and pay it off over time. 13% would have to reduce their spending on other things. And then there's like borrow from present family, take out a loan, etc. So if you're in a situation where an emergency were to arise and you have to pay out of your personal savings, let's say retirement savings yeah. and personal investments, not only is this emergency harming you in the present, it's harming your future. You're taking money away from yourself that you plan to give, like you're the gift that you plan for yourself. Like the, the tree you planted. Yourself. Yeah. The tree that you planted today. Nope. You're taking, you're cutting branches off. You're, you took mm-hmm. the seed out of the dirt. So when you don't have an emergency fund and an emergency actually does happen, you're seeing a tremendous financial setback overall. And you might be under the impression of, oh, well, how often do financial emergencies happen? According to Bankrate, in 2017 alone, 34% of Americans experienced a financial emergency. So more than three out of 10 Americans experienced a financial emergency. You might not see that as very high, but that's 30%. Three out of 10 people seeing an unexpected expense out of nowhere and we just went over the numbers that 39 percent would have to take out a loan for a thousand dollar expense and that 40 percent of americans don't have enough to cover a 400 dollar expense that means that there's there are people every single year that are unprepared Mm -hmm. based on the math for an emergency that's alarming to me and and just just to uh clarify when anthony and i say you should have an emergency fund that's not a savings account Yes. Like, like, okay, it could be placed into a savings account, but it shouldn't be your savings account. It should be an account strictly for emergencies, a liquid account that you can, you can easily um, obtain that's not stuck into the market because, again, it is for emergencies. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine, imagine you invested all your emergency funds in March of 2020. Okay, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have enough money anymore. And I want to say the before we get into, you're touching on like how you had to construct one properly. I just want to reemphasize how important it is for an emergency fund. And I think 2020 was the most extreme example of a, an unanticipated financial emergency. So according to the University of Minnesota, 20.6 million jobs were lost in the United States during 2020. This led to the country's unemployment rate hitting 14.7 the highest unemployment rate since the Great Depression. As a result, many had very difficult times paying their expenses during the pandemic. Uh, The Pew Research Center estimates that 25% of Americans had issues paying their bills due to the pandemic. And it's also estimated that 33% of adults, American adults, resorted to withdrawing from retirement accounts and other savings to make these types of payments. So like I said previously, yeah, you can, you might be forced to withdraw from important uh, financial obligations that you have. And that's exactly what happened. You saw 2020, a significant amount of people were withdrawing from personal savings and that that's that's detrimental to your future. 
hundred percent. No, hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I'll just say like another negative would be not only are you, I think failing to prepare for your retirement is planning to fail, right? That's for one. But secondly, you're also my, you're also at risk of having to completely readjust your way of living for an extended period of time. If you're, let's say you're someone who never took care of their personal finances at all. So like withdrawing from your retirement is not a, a risk to you because you didn't start planning, right? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Instead of that, you have to cut back on personal spending. You might not be able to go out to eat as often. You might not go you out to, to shop. Go back to live with your parents. Exactly. Or work, maybe you, you choose, you can't or see works. your friends. You can't see your friends or family because it's too expensive to go out to eat or go outside and do other things because that $400 emergency just really put a huge dent into your savings. Like you could be, you could be a fantastic, you could be fantastic at budgeting. If you don't budget for an emergency, um, an emergency yeah. fund, you allocate all your money and you don't have the, that wiggle room to spend $400 or however much it is. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I agree. So Nick, we were talking about, so we're, I think we kind of drilled home the importance of having an emergency fund, right? Yeah. I think if you're in college, this isn't necessarily as much of a need because mandatory. I would say for the most part, a majority of college students are not necessarily financially independent in the sense Mm -hmm. where, you know, your parents are still bailing you out a lot financially in most circumstances, understandably like there are circumstances that aren't like that. But I would say most people in like the eight, the 18 to 22 year old age group definitely aren't independent financially. However, once you start your career and graduate, I think this should be something you should take, make this, make this a priority. Yeah. That, that should be your first thing when you get your first paycheck, mm-hmm. how are you going to budget for an emergency? Yeah, and let's get into the nitty-gritty on how we you could construct an emergency fund. We'll talk about what the estimated amount you should have in that emergency fund. We'll talk about where you should put the money. And then we're also talking about the approach to save up such a huge amount of money. So there, there's levels to this. So first, Nick touched on the savings account. You also kind of uh, touched on the, the investing, don't invest it. So. Nick, where would you, what would be the ideal approach in this sense for you mm-hmm. for an emergency fund? Where would you want to put this money and why? And I mean, everyone has their own different, there is no one method, right? I feel like I would put half into, or maybe one third, right? One third into a checking account where I can write checks very easily, have a debit card, one third into a savings account, have it, you know, accrue some sort of interest even though it's very low right now during the pandemic. And then cash, cash is king. I mean, having some sort of cash under your mattress in a shoebox. So, you know, if anything happens, you can't go to the bank. I mean, Hurricane Sandy, right? No one could access their ATMs, powers, you know, powers down. So I feel like having some sort of cash on you is also, you know, as an emergency. That's actually a very good point. I did not consider having like physical cash. So I think this is a good so this is a good example, guys, of personal finance being personal, right? That was a, an approach that, that works for Nick. And he just gave me a brand new idea on how to approach the topic. So I think that was a good, see, this is why it's important to speak about personal finance. I just got a brand new idea that wouldn't have came about if the, we didn't have this discussion. 
And this isn't for financial advice. This it is, isn't financial advice. We're just this is Nicholas's way of yeah emergency funding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what Nick said at the beginning is true. This that like he said, this is Nick's opinion on it. I definitely agree. Like this is a very good way to construct an emergency fund. I think the biggest takeaway here is you don't invest it. We touched on that. You do not want to put your unlike in other circumstances. A savings account in this case is very good. A savings account is not volatile by any means. If I put $1,000 in there in 10 years from now, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have $1,000 and probably two cents with the interest. (laughs) But I'm going to know what I have in there. If I put my money in the stock market, $1,000, let's say I put $1,000 today and three months from now, the market takes a dive, it drops 20%. I have $800 in my bank account. I don't have 1000 and that's something uh, to mention it really quick is that even though you might save up, let's say six months worth of expenses, also another note to take is you shouldn't stop funding it to an extent. Because again, our worst fear, or not worst fear, but our worst enemy, something we can't physically see is inflation. So yeah, you might have, let's say, like Anthony said, $1,000 in the bank, but three years go by you know, time value of money, you know, concept. Yeah, you know, $1,000 is physically there, but is it really valued at $1,000? So I feel like every year you should, you know, throw in maybe 10%, 5% even to beat inflation. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if it's a few hundred bucks or a thousand bucks every year, depending on how much you're making, like I think just some kind of contribution would definitely not be a bad thing. It, it does kind of suck that you can't, benefit from compound interest really from like an investment vehicle but it's it's not necessarily a risk you should take and it's not the point of it like the point is like you should really have it strictly in cash but god forbid your house gets robbed i mean (laughs) so if you're not invest if you if you don't look to have it solely in cash and you want to have you know in an account the savings account route is the best approach i think there's also something to note there are also limits on how much you can play with your savings account you can't just constantly withdraw. Take, you can't constantly withdraw so it's good i think to have it in a savings account because you're not tempted to spend it mm-hmm. or at least excessively spend it if you do spend it and, and that's why having a separate account like like far away from your actual savings and your actual checking that you do on a day-to-day basis yes unless you have like tremendous willpower not to spend it don't don't do it have it have it in a separate account another thing i would look for is look for the bank with the highest yielding accounts right although we're in a savings account it doesn't mean we shouldn't try to fight off inflation as much as we can yeah i mean pre-pandemic there were yields that like you could have gotten a two percent yielding uh savings account with like allied bank or something like that now the best you can get is probably like 0.6 percent if you're lucky and that might that i don't know how great some of these banks are so mm-hmm. i mean i think nick you were showing you're me due uh, diligence. i think you were telling me a bank the other day that had a decent interest rate i don't know discover discover i think it was like 0.4 yeah point, yeah guys 0.4 doesn't sound like a lot but when the average return is 0.06 that's almost <laughs> 10 times greater so put that into consideration so 0.4 and think about it like you're taking you're beating you're not beating inflation, but you're fighting it off by half a percentage point, which is not and terrible. You, and you also got to think about, like you said, Anthony, 
um, this is during the pandemic. I mean, eventually this pandemic era will evolve and interest rates will start to climb back up. And again, it, you know, it's not the whole point of the interest rate as well. It's just good to have. Yeah, I mean, if you're letting your money sit there, I my mindset would be there's no reason not to let it grow at all, right? Like fight off, fight off inflation to some extent. So we covered where you should put your account and where you shouldn't. Put it in a savings account, ideally have some in cash and possibly yeah. even a checking account like Nick recommended. Aside from that, you do not want to have this in a volatile investment vehicle. If it were in a brokerage account, I would not invest it into equities or index funds. Maybe a bond fund. Yeah, I mean, when, when when interest rates went down, I mean, the bond market went down. So even then, it's like, I don't even, even know. <laughs> you want yeah. it, you want your, your emergency fund to be as liquid as possible mm-hmm. and to avoid all volatility. So like those are two main things. A savings account does that. Look for a high yielding savings account. You can Google it. There's a list out there and it'll break it down by like, by month, like every month, they uh, I think it's uh, the balance or bank rate. They release the top 10 highest yielding savings accounts out there. So, and they're all FDI. Make sure they're FDIC assured, right? Yeah. Yes. You want to make sure you're, you're getting your money back in case something were to happen. So we covered the accounts. Let's get into how you save up. Well, no, let's get into how much you need to save because that's more important. Then we get into how much you save. So the recommendations vary drastically, right? There, I've seen recommendations as great as 12 months. I've seen recommendations as low as one month. So varies drastically. Anyone you ask will give you a different opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where that personal finance, the personal aspect comes into play. So Nick, where do you, like for you personally, what would be a good goal in your mind for an emergency fund? Like what would make you feel safe? Like going to bed at night, uh, safe and sound with how much would you want saved? And month-wise. Feel, yeah, month-wise, six, six months. Six months? I think, yeah, I feel like a year is a bit too, too much. But I mean, but hey, the more the merrier, right? But I feel like at a bare minimum for me to sleep well at night is to have six months. How about you? I would have to agree. I, I fall more in the three to six month range rather than the, you know, six the nine, the nine to six, nine, 12 month range. I've seen an interesting, I read an interesting study that says that if you're really low income, like, like an emergency fund seems almost impossible to you. Like a 24K a year almost. Yeah, rec- like they recommend a one month emergency fund, which is, I thought very interesting because- Better than nothing. It is It is better than nothing. Yeah. And supposedly, here, I'm trying to pull up the numbers right now. So economists Jorge Sabat and Emily Gallagher argue that lower income households should only be required to save about $2,500, which would equate to one month of their income. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be more practical. Uh, it's easier to attain a goal closer to twenty five hundred than twenty thousand for someone who's making that little. And what was the second point I had here? Oh, it is statistically likely that individuals will not necessarily need more than one month of worth of expenses in in their situation. That's according to the study. I don't know. That's a person to person basis. That is a person-to-person basis. I still believe that if you can afford it, you would go with six months. And that's six months of expenses. 
Exactly. I, like that, that was the point I was just about to make. I mean, if you have no expenses, let's say your house is paid off for, I mean, I don't know, like you have nothing besides some sort of utilities. I feel like, I mean, in that situation, right, you shouldn't have to worry about it. But again, it's it's more of not you losing your job, but again, a medical emergency. I mean, you can't predict an emergency. Or let's say like, I don't know, you do have rental income coming in, paying off your utilities. And COVID hits. The house no, burns down to the ground. It's like that's crazy. Good. That's an that's an emergency, right? That's an un, a natural disaster. Like you can't see that happening. I mean, but you could also say, you know, our, insurance could pay for it right but you know to an example covid when the when the eviction i don't know the name of it but when you know uh tenants could stop paying rent the moratorium yeah yeah a lot of landlords you know lost out on rental income Mm -hmm. so if you're in that situation where you rely on that source of income you're putting up in a tough spot so you never know what's going to happen always be prepared for it i would have I think something is better than nothing. Nick said that before, right? If you feel like it's overwhelming, something to have to start with is better than nothing. So before we go on to how, how you do save it, which kind of ties into this, I just want to like take away here is we, we both believe that six months is a solid time frame. If you can't afford it, you know, I think three months would do just as fine. Um, we, th- I personally think nine to 12 or anything over six is a little excessive. And Nick agrees with that. Yeah. You have to consider this too. If you're saving for six to 12 opportunity cost, you're, ne- you're neglecting other areas that you can use that money. Like that's not going towards investments. That's not going towards retirement. That's not going to personal spending. So planning an extra doubling your emergency fund means that you have to withdraw funds or neglect funds from other areas of your life, which ties into the next point. How do you save six months worth of expenses? So, so that, that that's also what I was going to say earlier is you can't do it in one paycheck. Exactly. <laughs> as, 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 you know, as someone, you know, willing to have a great emergency fund, I feel like it's very, I mean, it's possible. Put it this way. Like we said, if you don't have any expenses, I mean, you're still living with your parents. Maybe you, fir- you know, you put your first, you know, three paychecks in, you know, you, you know, gain that benefit while you're still living with your parents. But it's definitely over time. I mean, like what we were saying, you know, having six months of expenses, you know, compared to 12 is, you know, a lot of money, but you're going to be, you know, putting it aside, you know, every, every two weeks or whenever you get paid. I feel like at a minimum, 10% of your paycheck should go to building up your, uh, your uh, emergency fund, if not more, maybe a maximum of like 20%. Mm-hmm. Definitely a baseline of 10. Yeah, I think it's, completely unrealistic to say hey three to six months of my salary or my expenses rather or i'm going to save up in a month that's yeah. that's ridiculous that's a lot of money you don't make that much money realistically to do it all at once so it's something that you need to do over time baby steps i mean this is kind of like the dave ramsey thing even though i'm not a huge fan of his you have to do the small steps one step at a time and i think you i think having a target goal could be very beneficial say okay uh we're in as of recording this july of 2021 okay by july of 2022 i want a fully stocked fully uh like complete emergency fund to my liking that's a goal you have a deadline now and you work towards that goal over the course of a year i think putting too much at once like i said previously means that 
you neglect other aspects of your personal finances. You have to realize an opportunity cost. You, for one, if you're offered a 401k match, you're going to neglect your 401k. You might neglect your Roth IRA. You can't make, you can't max out either account or at least meet the match if you're putting six months worth of expenses in an emergency fund within that year. Like that's, it's very difficult to do. So I think you should do it over time and it becomes more realistic that way. And I think if you make it a priority while you're younger, where you don't have tremendous, think about it this way. It's much, you have much fewer expenses at 22 than you do at 35 with maybe a wife or a significant other it's, and children yeah, and a house with cars and various other expenses. I would prioritize it while you're younger. Yes, you have to look at retirement, look at other things like that. But honestly, if you're trying to take a backseat with your personal finances and you don't really want to be too preemptive, uh, like preemptive and be on top of it that significantly, start just making regular contributions to your IRA and mm-hmm. start making some small contributions towards a savings account yeah. for an emergency fund. It's always important to have an emergency fund because you can never predict an emergency. So take the steps preemptively to do so. I mean, something to note, Ant, right? Just thinking back of what you said, talking about retirement and everything. I mean, the way I set up my budget is I have my salary, you know, my net salary after, you know, after 401k contributions and everything. And then I have a section, you know, for the, for the Roth IRA. And then after that, I put invest in savings and emergency fund. So maybe that's another way you look at it. Because like we said, you're not going to get your emergency fund in one day. So plan for retirement, plan for savings, and then emergency fund. But don't, don't do retirement savings and then zero for emergency fund. Have some sort of money, 10%. I mean, don't go out to drink at a bar every day until you, know, you get your emergency fund. Yeah. Like, I think hold yourself accountable. Like I said, have a goal. And I mean, we said this before a couple of times, it's better to have something rather than nothing. If a $400 emergency were to come about and you only had $400 saved, that's better than nothing. (laughs) You don't, the ultimate goal here, right, is for an emergency, to have an emergency fund available to you. So in case an emergency were to arise or to happen, you don't have to drastically change your way of living for mm-hmm. the short term or the long term, even as a result of it. You don't want to take significant funds away from your future in terms of retirement planning. And you don't want to take the enjoyment out of your present life by having to pull back on personal spending. So mm-hmm. it kind of gives you that balance of being able to live your life and being able to plan for your future kind of without any worries. No, exactly. Exactly. So Nick, I think that's pretty much everything that we need to touch on with emergency funds, unless you have anything else you want to add. No, no, just keep on saving, plan for inflation, and you can't plan for emergency. That's it. You can plan for an emergency, but you can't I mean you can't you can't plan an emergency, but you can plan for an emergency. Exactly. So that's that guys. We Thank you for listening to another episode of Common Sense Finance. If you want to catch us on any other platform, you can check out the description of wherever you're listening to this or watching this because we're on YouTube, baby. So check mm-hmm. us out. 
also we're on instagram tiktok twitter i i don't know if the myspace is still running i don't know if myspace is running here i i made an aol account after the verizon oh. no i'm kidding okay <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so thank you guys for listening yet again this is common sense finance i'm anthony this is nick and until next time we'll see you or talk to you because you might not we don't physically see you but whatever peace